0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is sponsored this week by Jimmy John's Gourmet Sandwiches with three Amarillo locations, Sonsi and I-40, Western and Olson, and downtown across from the ballpark, which is a great location for lunch if you work downtown. This show is about Amarillo and the community, so if you need help with an event or if you need donations reach out to any local Jimmy John's location and ask for Charles. They'll do their best to take care of you. Today's guest is Libby Lane, and Libby is one of those unexpected West Texas success stories. A young woman who follows a creative impulse, heads away to study at the prestigious Art Institute of Chicago, and ends up designing handbags carried by some of the biggest tastemakers in the fashion world. And then she comes back home to the Amarillo area to run her newly successful international business. Libby grew up on a farm in Bushland, and now her leather Libby Lane handbags, which she still makes here by hand, are being featured in Vogue, Southern Living, and the New York Times. And just a word of warning for listeners, my conversation with Libby does touch briefly on a tragedy in her family. So if hearing about suicide and its impact is something that you would rather avoid, then please, by all means, feel free to sit this one out. Here's Libby Lane. Libby Lane, welcome to the Hey podcast. Thanks for being here today. Yeah,
1: thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, I'm I'm excited to talk about your business and um, the different things you're doing there. But before we get to that point, I want to talk about how you ended up in Amarillo let you kind of tell that story. So tell me why you're here.
1: Okay. So long story short. um, Now don't make it too short. We got a whole (laughs) podcast to fill. That's true. Okay. I grew up in Bushland, Texas, and 15 minutes outside of Amarillo. And we were raised on a farm, which is my dad's grandfather's one of his farms, and my father took it over. So we had lots of room to run and explore. And my dad was in the cattle industry, so we found ourselves living in San Antonio half the time, um, where I went to Montessori school and things like that. But we always had our place in Amarillo, or I'm sorry, in Bushland. And high school, after we came back to Amarillo, I went to high school here for two years. And then I moved off to Tennessee to a prep school called the Web School. It's tiny. And immediately after that, I moved to Chicago and attended the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, which is a fine arts, well-renowned school. Yeah, prestigious school if if you want to be in the arts world. wonderful. So I spent four years there. Well, actually, I spent six years there. And after I graduated with my BFA. I moved to New York and did lots of things in New York. And actually I I, I spent summers in between my college years in New York as well. So then I, I mean, coming back every summer, I would just come for a month or whatever I could to spend some time with my family. But I really missed my family. We're very close Mm -hmm. and I have, um, there were seven kids in my family. So I'm Six girls and one boy, and um, very close net family. And I just missed them. We had a tragedy in our family, and I found myself coming back more and more and subletted my apartment in New York and okay. just moved into our studio space, which my dad's a painter, and um, both of my parents are very creative. So they always encourage us to travel and get very well educated and, you know, so that was a big part of it and they always pushed us away. So I found myself coming back more and more and wanting to spend more time with them. Did, my, my did Amarillo,
0: like all the, all the different places you lived, I mean, did Amarillo always feel like, like home or Bushland, the, yes, the family ranch? I mean, absolutely. was that always sort of the, the epicenter yeah, of everything for you? we called the lane
1: compound. So, okay. um, yeah, people just, all my sisters, it was like a revolving door constantly. I had, three sisters that lived in Chicago with me. And we would, I don't know, just come back in waves and go back to Chicago or New York or wherever everyone lived, some in London, and it's just everywhere. But my parents always had an open door with friends and family, extended family and things. So, yeah, it always felt home, home homey, and my parents always did a good job with inviting people to their home Mm -hmm. and having dinner and... We're Catholic, so lots of priests and lots of spiritual talks and yeah. things like that around our table and um a lot of food and I have two sisters that are chefs and wow. formally trained so yeah, it's it's just it feels like home it always has, so it was nice to come home every you now you moment.
0: mentioned the the land being your parents and then your grandparents I mean was is it like sort of a, a generational sort of thing like you know yeah. the, the Lane family has been here for. Yes. So A century my, or something like that. My
1: father's grandfather basically raised him. His dad died when okay. he was young. So he his name was Fred and he just he just took my dad under his wing basically. And yeah, dad he got to travel with him a lot, but his home base was always Amarillo and, um, he was raised in Olson and one of the only houses on the block until it kind of started filling up and things like that. Ranching and
0: cattle. Was that always the family business?
1: Um, yeah. So it was a little bit of everything back in my great grandfather's day. He got it in the Dust Bowl and he had ranches in Colorado. I mean, he, he did Wherever it was fitting to do right. business, he was. He sounded like he had a hand in any, any of it. Um, okay. An orchard in California. So in Amarillo, it was cattle, um, pigs, I believe, and dryland wheat. So okay. my dad actually he farms still and runs cattle. So
0: it sounds like your family is is one with a whole lot of different interests and passions, Absolutely. and um, you know travel and all that stuff. I mean, did do you remember as a kid? You know, whether you were in Bushland, whether you're going away to school somewhere, I mean, did you did you have a dream to like fly the coop and get out of here and do something? Or did you ever see yourself like back in this area?
1: To be quite honest, I never thought I would fully be back, but I never actually knew what I was gonna do. I never had a plan really. I just knew I loved culture and the motivation of being in the city was Mm -hmm. always really fascinating for me. Among all my travels, it was really seeing people in different ethnicities and this like drive that ran these urban cities that I thought was really fascinating. Um, But when I came home, I got to see the real life of what our Texas history is and right. being around leather and we my dad thought we were boys. I mean, we worked cattle, we rode with them, we hunted, all of it. My parents both. My mom's a very independent woman. It's very strong. And so she and my father always think outside the box and they always pushed us to go yeah. do whatever our talents were. So yeah, I don't know. I I just Look as I'm getting older, I look back and go, Oh my gosh, I had a huge experience when I was traveling and going to school and all of these great schools actually. I'm um, meeting all of these people around the world. But like I said before, being back in Amarillo is, is home and comforting and you know, that's where the real lives you get to slow down yeah. and, and live real life. So
0: So I, I know how career plans change and, and how what you end up doing is not always what you set out to do. Yeah. I mean, when you went to uh, Chicago to go to school, what was your plan? I mean, what were what were you pursuing at that point?
1: So I had two sisters that were attending the school at our Institute of Chicago, for, one for painting and then one for sculpture. And so I had the opportunity to go when I was in high school at the boarding school and do figure drawing and take some classes there just to see if I was interested. And I am, did immediate decision. I loved it. I thought it was it just opened up a whole new world for me that I I kind of had heard about, but like going into a reference library of fashion books and right. design and I, I just felt very much at home immediately. So I, I never looked anywhere else. I just decided to go there and and went, and I always wanted to do fashion. So, okay. but at the school, why it's so renowned, I believe, is because it's um, interdisciplinary. So they encourage you to take fibers classes, photography, painting, color theory. You know, all of these different genres or mediums um, within your degree plan. So they want you to think outside the box and learn about art in general, and then specifically focus on your degree plan or whatever it's and everyone graduates kind of under the same title with emphasis in so it's it's different i mean it's it's definitely all encompassing i guess is what they try to do
0: what year did you graduate from there 2009 okay and you know at that point what did you see yourself doing i mean knowing that you wanted to get into fashion did did you have an eye toward entrepreneurship you know starting something new or were you trying to find your way into some other aspect. So of it.
1: I guess at that time I was just trying to shadow and intern and basically get into anything and everything I possibly could not knowing what I wanted to land in ultimately. So I went to Knoll. It's a modern furniture design firm and they're global. So I, I visited them. I was interning with two editorial fashion stylists, one for props, one for fashion clothing. I was into everything. Mm-hmm. I, I did pattern making in Chinatown, New York, for a long time for a fashion brand. And I was just trying to figure out what I want to do. But at the same time as I'm doing all of this, um, when I was a junior in college, I... Got into accessories, which I never formally had been trained in that. I was doing men's tailoring, women's design, things like that. So fashion history was a big part of it. I had the opportunity to tour a tannery downtown Chicago. It's Hmm. so cool. It's like a hundred year old family owned tannery. One of the few left in the United States. I was like completely blown away each I had a private tour all my class was supposed to go for a chemistry class and um they never showed up so I was wow by myself just you. yeah it was amazing with one of the owners um I think it was the son or I don't know someone that had been around it for years so he he just walked me through each each floor of this huge it's, it was covered like a massive city block um old hundred old building. All the windows were open. Mm -hmm. It it was just old Chicago wood floors. I had an eye opening there. And then immediately after I was telling my father about it and he set me up with an old hunting buddy out of New Mexico that lived in Michigan and he had a mink fur farm. So we traveled out there and I spent the day with him. And then I just started getting completely blown away with the process of tanning, the the whole weather, leather world and what it offered. And so basically when I was a junior, I, I picked up these techniques and I started incorporating them into my studies. And um, we had end of the year fashion shows that we had to create things for. So my favorite things were like shoes, anything leather related. Mm-hmm. So I just started incorporating them. And when I by the time I graduated in Chicago, I had a clientele for these bags. Wow. I started making carryalls because no one had carryalls for my sisters and these women that just were on the a, train. Just as a college student, you oh, were yeah. starting to find. people. yeah, I mean, people. I was just—it was just word of mouth, and like my sisters were very well connected, and so you know, the VP of a brand would come and say, I really need a work bag and I want it in this leather. Can you do it for me? I said, sure. These just know.
0: custom productions. Yeah, for yeah.
1: And like, you know, just playing. I, mm-hmm. I just loved it. And so um but what I really wanted to solve for us, the women that I knew in our small circle was the fact that they were on the train from eight in the morning and then they they'd do all these stops. Like it's not like running home in your car. You know, you're running home means an hour and a half on the train there and back and it's just hectic. And so I wanted to create a bag that would be stylish enough to take and be gone all day and go to the gym and then go to a work meeting and or school, whatever, you know. So this leather just completely inspired me to fill the need
0: for that. Was that, you know, developing that first product? Did that sort of give you a sense that this is something that I can do longer term, you know, not just kind of a, a whim in school or not just something I'm temporarily focused on, but like, this can be a thing for me.
1: Yeah, I, I think I had some indications of it, but I was so enthralled with the fashion world. Basically, my training in in school was so rigorous right. and so prestigious that I never thought, I just always wanted more. Yeah, I wanted You know, so me doing this on the side, I I just did it. I didn't really think very hard about it until later. So my clientele kept building, and I just kept doing it on the side and kept getting into more things in New York and trying to build my—I don't
0: know—my your brand, my my base. I don't know.
1: Yeah, just starting to meet new people and learn new things. And
0: do you do you feel like being in New York for that period of time and and in Chicago, you know, with the connections that you had in that world, was that instrumental to the success that you have now? I mean, can you trace it back to oh, some yeah, of those events? Absolutely.
1: You know, and I think the hardest thing, and it's pros and cons with being here, is in New York you walk out and you're automatically connected, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy when you're in that momentum, I guess, to it's, it's just you're always on, you know. It's never ending, I guess. Right. And so... Being here, you're you're kind of um, you got to work harder at it, but not. I guess I guess you you work as hard as you <laughs> yeah you want the, to promote, but yeah, I think I still. I mean, I still am in contact with a lot of international fashion people. I guess
0: what what year did you do you feel like you actually started? You know, this is my business, and kind of narrowed those interests. You know, to. Yeah. Um, the, the bags that you were making? When did that actually kick off? I so guess? in
1: 2011, I we had a tragedy before that. So I came back more and more and I had more time to just slow down. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to like really think about this as a business and um, people just kept asking for them. I thought, you know, I should just, settle down and I so I spent six months just doing some drawings and lightly building a collection and you know finding sources and better sources and being more serious about it and I I set up an LLC just because I don't I didn't have really any reason but I just did and Mm -hmm. so 2012 I was Contacted by Vogue magazine, American Vogue, and they asked to do an inter- interview with the, my brand, and I thought I'm not even a brand. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous. If Vogue
0: tells you you're a yeah, brand, then but, maybe you oh,
1: are. I guess I should. You know, this is, and I I just really was like, I I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So obviously, I said yes. You don't say no. You and that had just something. happened organically. I mean, yeah. you you
0: didn't have to go no. talking to people. I mean, no.
1: Um, some girls that I knew were carrying my bags in New York. And one of the writers said, where did you get that? And so Hmm. they contacted, they just did the research and contacted me. So, um, so from there I started getting a slew of editorials doing interviews. And, um, so then I thought, okay, this really has to be a business, you know, and, it was great. Right after that I was in Vogue Japan. So that's when international really kicked off for me. So yeah, I think everything's really organic how it happened. I didn't really have a plan, a set plan until I had more free time on my hands yeah. in Amra or in Bushland, you but know, just to focus on it.
0: Obviously, you know, when you're just making by hand for friends, that's one thing. And then when you're you're you appear in Vogue Japan, that's another thing, yeah. and and you're going to start getting orders from people. I yes. mean, how did that, how did that success like impact well, what you were good doing? Good question.
1: I had to think really quickly, and so I pulled my resources in New York and got dust bags made. I got the logo. You know, I just had all of these creative people, artists that were on my side, and so I just started pulling from all these people I knew to kind of help me get um professional mm-hmm. <laughs> and think professional so they really helped a lot with just getting on a whole nother level an elevated level of design and focus that i wasn't there before so
0: is the bulk of your production still here oh yeah. i mean everything's, everything's still, still here in amarillo, yeah so and you're I you moved may be from getting Bushland to amarillo okay so
1: uh, my studio space is where we do all of it
0: can you can you tell me how many pieces you're producing each year or how many orders you're fulfilling? I mean, what's um, the scope of your business?
1: So I've almost I guess it's been 9 years since I've done this full time and um I've been in wholesale, I've been in stores, I've been I I've been kind of in everything. I've I've dabbled in many things. Um so each year is different. Sometimes I really go hard and then sometimes I Back because mm-hmm. it's it's really my hobby still. I mean, I hate to say that, but really, it's my outlet. So I do other projects on the side and kind of I don't I, I see it as my. It still doesn't even feel like this yeah, is your full time gig. Yes, it's, it's even
0: though Vogue Japan says this yeah, is what you do. So. This
1: is my title now, but I still yeah. So I don't know. We still do a lot. I mean, I do a lot more than one little team should should be doing. Okay, <laughs> so.
0: Tell me, um, you know, we've we've talked about the challenges of living here in the Texas Panhandle mm-hmm. and doing something that has a big footprint in the fashion world, or that you know, hopefully, we'll will yeah. continue to have a footprint there. What are some of the benefits of working here?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot. Um, first, the cost of living, cost of running a business, um, having space. My studio space is great. It's what I needed. It's a shotgun, old retail store in Bivens, and that I couldn't find just everywhere. So also the people. There's there's such a, a unity here that is inspiring. People are extremely warm and generous, and I've learned a lot about myself as being a business owner and dealing with clients here and you know abroad, mm-hmm. and how I want to present myself and I've I've just learned a lot from people in Amarillo. So, and it, I continue to learn a yeah. lot about. There's all these these hidden gems in Amarillo, these people that like yourself that show up and I'm always very inspired by what you can find in Amarillo that isn't so obvious. So.
0: I'm curious if the Amarillo connection and, and I'm not sure how like how public it is in terms of your own business but like is, is that something that you know when, when you have someone ordering from Europe or from Japan and they're ordering leather goods, and they know that you're based like right here in cattle country, you know, a place, part of the world that's known for that. Right. If that sort of adds to,
1: for sure, it's a you story. know the legitimacy or the story. Yeah, yeah, one yeah of it's those definitely things. a story. I mean, it 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 does it legitimizes what my story is and where I came from and what my brand is built on. So, and I kind of had that in mind going into it in 2011 when I was kind of building it. I I just started pulling all of the obvious pros to what my environment here has been and being raised on a farm and around mm-hmm. cattle. I mean, it just was pretty natural and, um, obvious to me, but cause that's, that's all I know basically in my design. So yeah, I don't know. It, it all kind of came together and it still, it, I still learn daily what, what I'm doing and what I want to do with my
0: future. <laughs> I'm I'm curious because you're I don't know you you know beyond just having set this up and and you know gauging your personality um, in this interview. It's strange to me that with your business, a business that's got your name on it, and you've had this big you know, international success in terms of publicity mm-hmm. and orders. And and yet it still doesn't seem like, you know, some business people are super intense and they're driven to grow and mm-hmm. continue getting market share and all that stuff. And you seem real laid back about it. I know. That it's, it's too, almost a, <laughs> it's kind of a hobby. I, I don't know if it's real. I mean, do, do you feel that drive to like make it become more and more? Are you satisfied with where it is now? Yeah,
1: no, I think I'm always driven to make it more but it's confusing at the same time because the market is changing so quickly mm-hmm. that when I started this it was very different than where it is now. Everything's online, which is right. what a majority of my business is, but yeah, I I, I obviously want it to just keep going and I have children that I want to eventually look at and say this is great or mm. whatever. They come to the shop all the time. Or hire, you know. Yeah, or hire, or take it over, whatever. Um, But no, it's fun for me still. And so I don't want that fun to go away. Okay. And sometimes the business aspect is not so fun dealing with other people, but you can make, make it a positive transaction. So I try to do that, but I naturally just go more organically with things I do. So I guess that... My business has to, do, yeah, you know, letting it happen yeah. rather than
0: than making things happen.
1: Yeah, and it just depends on where I am in my personal life. I tr- I try to really live my life more than let my business live my life for hmm. me. So,
0: back when you were, um, you know, pursuing you know the dreams that you had in art school and and getting this well rounded you know arts education, do you do you, do you think that person, you know, ten years ago would be surprised sort of where you've ended up now. Do you, do you feel like this is kind of a natural trajectory that you've taken or is does it seem strange?
1: That's a good question. I was very driven to in an in a, a blind blind way, I mm-hmm. guess. So now that I know more, I think I think about who I was back then and go, wow, you were all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very focused now and it's it's good to bring my ambition from that young age into this still I still I I work much harder than a lot of people that just go to work I feel right. like you know so well, when you, but when I love it business. so yeah as a business owner and as an entrepreneur I think you're naturally inclined to just give it your all and I do that every day when I go so I don't know it's it's definitely who I am inside it's just Edithing. I I just I want to live I want I want to be one person. I don't want to, you know, I have a lot of friends that hate their jobs and they go to it and it's trying on their nerves, it's stressful, it's all of these things. So I look at all my friends in New York that stayed and they're they're hustling and doing all this stuff and I'm so glad that I have my own structured environment that I created myself that is my outlet still that I really love after... You know, almost ten years. So, yeah, I'm proud of where I am.
0: <laughs> okay, so you've mentioned Libby a couple of times—a tragedy that that brought you back here. Um, and it occurs to me that you know that may be part of the shift that you're talking about between the drive and ambition of your earlier years and, and kind of this satisfaction where you are now. Can I ask, like, what happened, or or maybe what the circumstances were that you know it kind of helped define a little bit of of where you went.
1: Yeah, so when I was in New York hustling away, uh, I got a phone call that my brother had died and unexpectedly and tragically and he had committed suicide and it completely, being a close-knit family as we were, um, it completely changed my perspective of where I was, what I was doing, why I kept going further and further away from this family unit that I find to be my inspiration all the time and my unit. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a huge part of where I am today and why I still focus on life is short. It's mm-hmm. it's very important to have your family, to have something that's fun and a healthy uh, channel for, for all of my creativity to go into. And that that's my business still. I mean, I still find find joy in it and
0: yeah those those kinds of events can really change your perspective at least in terms of what really matters right. what's important you know what are the things that i'm pursuing versus for sure you know what what's the most important thing to pursue do you, I mean, do you look back on that and think you know maybe that was a turning point and then that's the difference between you know the ambition that you had in yeah. that earlier stage and and the satisfaction, right. you know, that you have now.
1: Right. And I still I still had that same ambition, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so um right after that happened, I was in a whirlwind of I'm super creative, I feel like, and I'm it's hard to as someone that is creative, I feel like you have to have an outlet for your creativity, um, or else you'll go crazy. So I had a nun actually tell me. And I think I still think about this today that she came up to me knowing me and said, you have to, you have to use your creativity for good. Hmm. So I always thought about that. And I think that was a huge turning point into saying, you know, I have something that people keep coming to me for. So I should, and they enjoy it and they, it makes women feel good. I, I think being with, um, you know six women in my family it's i'm always the go-to person for altering or <laughs> fashion stuff right. or you know but i i find joy in making women feel good about themselves and whatever aesthetic they have going on you know you just can elevate anything and help them i always always had an interest in that and i don't know the tragedy just it yes it's being older it it definitely i'm more appreciative of the awareness I had back then mm-hmm. and because now I have a beautiful family. Um, I have two babies and great husband and I'm in a spot in Amarillo that I, I just wouldn't give it up. You know, I, I get to see my immediate family all the time and my family in Bushland and I had all my sisters move home eventually too. So
0: everybody then. except for sisters. one. Okay. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. So it's been fun. It's been really fun to share my kids with their kids. Yeah. And, you know, and that's I think about being in wherever I would have ended up, probably in New York. It'd been hard. It'd been really hard to do. So I'm very fortunate and I I feel blessed to have gone through such an ordeal after all of these years. Um even even though it's been ten years, it, it seems like it just happened still. So it's a constant learning curve for my whole family.
0: I I want to switch gears. To close out this section and and ask you about the business community in Amarillo, you know, for for running a small business, Um, I know a lot of your work and a lot of your clientele is outside here, but Mm. um, like, tell me what it's like being the owner of a small business, you know, here in a a town that really values entrepreneurship, yeah, for sure. um, But does have a limited market? I mean, do you feel like this is a place where you're able to thrive? You know, in a unique way that maybe would have been different if you were one among many people yes. working in fashion in New York,
1: yeah, very good question. um yes, i I seriously thought about moving at upstate New York, and it just dawned on me. It was it didn't match my story. Everything was not right with that move. And so when I decided just to go slow and like allow myself to be satisfied with where I am mm-hmm. and, you know, calm that ambitious drive that so many young people have. I realized the the quality of Amarillo is in mom and pop shops. I mean, these, these business owners they just have such a genuine warmth. And I've said that before, but it's true I've never in all of my travels, I've never been in such a just a, an environment that was so welcoming and so enthusiastic for a woman in the leather industry, yeah. which is very kind of rare, especially in these parts. But I was, for the most part, well received. I'm not very big. And so I'm toting all these leather rolls and slinging knives and, you know, so it's, it's funny cause that's very natural to me. But when people see it, I think it's still kind of surprising. It breaks a stereotype. Yeah. I guess. Which
0: is great. I love yeah. it.
1: <laughs> it's, it's fascinating for me to do, but yeah, I think I think the business in Amarillo is thriving and it's really exciting to see all of these new things in Amarillo and you have to kind of look and you know open the veil a little bit but it's happening and I feel like I'm a part of that which is is exciting cuz I I'm still a part of New York's environment in a way and you know I I still get out there and I travel as much as I can now that I'm a Yeah. A, I have young babies, but I mean, Amarillo is, I have to say, Emeril is a wonderful place and it always will be because of the people.
0: Hey, this is Jason. Libby was very honest in this episode and shared about her brother's suicide. Um, if, if you or anyone you know are having similar thoughts, please, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's open 24 hours a day at 800-273-8255, or you can text CONNECT to 74741, and you can speak to a crisis counselor there. And if if that's something that you're dealing with, then do not hesitate to do that, please. And so there's no good transition from this point, so let's go to a word from a sponsor. Hey Morello is sponsored this week by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my personal dentist for at least 25 years, and he's my kid's dentist too. He's an expert on Invisalign. In fact, he's got my son Owen in Invisalign right now. And Dr. Sauer uses that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning, and he does it so well that he now travels all over the country and, and even internationally to teach other dentists how to do the same thing. To learn more, visit ShimanDental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N, Shemendental.com. Okay, I'm back with Libby Lane. Libby, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer those in okay. <laughs> as much detail as you want to. Um, the first one is, and I, I ask mostly the same questions of every guest, but I've got a special one for you okay. to start it off. Perfect. What kind of purse do you carry? I know you <laughs> produce a lot of different styles. Yes. Um, what do you personally carry? So
1: to be Really out there, I have to carry everything I make. And so I've carried every single style, but I always go back to the bigger bag. I have the biggest bag I possibly make, and it's the knotted Eliza in chocolate brown. It's a okay. pebbled leather, it's beautiful. But I have so much stuff in it. I probably have three smaller bags, a wallet, <laughs> a strap. I carry mm-hmm. lots of various styles within one bag.
0: Does that one, like, is that close to that original prototype that you were making for the women in Chicago who had to carry everything yeah, everywhere? Uh, it? Yeah,
1: it's pretty close. Okay. I've changed some styles out over the years. Right. But yeah, it's still, my brand is still what I started it. It's it's a carry-all, it's a basic, very durable, stylish carry-all for women in all different forms.
0: Do you feel so, like you have to field test everything yeah, before you sell it? I mean, you exciting. carry it around and you know, live in it for yeah, a couple of weeks before?
1: I think I make stuff for myself just because I, I would like to carry something. So that's a new style all okay. of a sudden. <laughs> so I've got to carry it to uh, test it out. It's, but it's all part of your personal brand. If you're not right. carrying it, then. <laughs> you have to like my style.
0: <laughs> okay. What's your favorite restaurant in Amarillo?
1: So my husband and I have our love for the old Tacos Garcia on the boulevard. Yeah. It's great. It's okay. so good. We sneak over as much as we possibly can. Usually it's our our morning go-to. We call it in and. Go pick it up. Okay, like for, for breakfast? Or, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, they have a great breakfast.
0: Okay. What does this area have too much of?
1: That could be answered in so many different ways, but I think visually, as a visual person, we don't have a lot of height. you know. Okay. Un- unless it's downtown, we have a lot of chain box. So visually, as you're driving and you look out from your windshield, it's very much the same level. Everything's right. the same level. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy,
0: but it yeah, bothers you, me. Yeah. So, so at least <laughs> some changes in elevation. So That's that, right. Okay. I mean, we're
1: so flat anyways. We need some sort of scenery.
0: All right. That is not so. something anyone has ever said. Um, uh-huh. but no, I can see it. Like visually it makes sense. you, you want some diversity uh-huh. yeah. in what you're able to see. Yes. And, okay. Yes. What does this area not have enough of?
1: You know, I, I love mom and pop grocery stores, like spice stores, things like that. And it's, We do have them, like tri market, and there's some things like that. But um, especially
0: on the boulevard. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's a lot on the boulevard. Um, But I really miss kind of the boutique kitchen store. It's very. I cook a lot, and so Mm -hmm. I, I I wish we had more little mom and pop grocery stores here with like farmers' produce. Other than you know, and just in. In the cities, it's so, it's like on every street corner, it feels like. And so I think we're getting there, but I wish we had more. Okay.
0: How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? I mean, you've mentioned it's kind of part of your story. It ties into what you do. I mean, when you're trying to explain where you're based and where you live, what do you tell them?
1: Well, the general reaction to Amarillo is, oh, I've been there overnight. It's a hub, you know. Mm -hmm. So I try to explain it as this peaceful overwhelming space uh the sky the warmth of the people i had a when i got married i had a lot of my out-of-town friends come in and they were blown away with the space of the highway the the sky yes it was just it was fun to see the reactions because it's it's true it's so beautiful it's a very different feel from chicago or new york once you get out of that urban environment It's fascinating yeah you're kind of i don't know it's cow town but it's it's amazing
0: okay When was the last time? Speaking of Cowtown, when was the last time you went to the Big Texan? <laughs> Ooh,
1: nine months ago, I think. Nine months yes, ago? Yes, yes. So we had some. My sister's in laws were in town, okay. so we all went. So you had it guests, and you were yeah. taking them to <laughs> yeah. in Starlight. I just okay. recently went there. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Um,
0: is is that a regular thing that you do with out of town visitors, or it
1: depends on who they are? But yeah, uh, I not not from us promoting per se. I think it's more. A natural thing that they want to see. Okay, so. they come here and now like that's the one yeah, Amarillo I mean, we've place even they know. Done, done like the limo pickup. And, really? Yeah. Right. yeah it's, it's really,
0: I've never it's really been in a big there. Texan limo. <laughs> I think my kids have, yeah. but I've not. So. It's a
1: family outing. <laughs>
0: What's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo?
1: I would say because I'm a visual person, I I really am drawn to like Oliver Echo just from the old the old buildings and the old houses, the bungalows and things mm-hmm. like that. But I also love like Olson's mid-century homes. There's a lot of little gyms that yeah. if you drive around, it's like. So that architectural Yeah, I think it's more architecturally and, based. But um, as far as the feel, Wolfland's, it's so beautiful and mm-hmm. old. The trees, I don't know. Yeah, I, I have a few. Uh,
0: my last question is what's the most underrated aspect of life in Amarillo?
1: I really think that the community here, I think if you really look up and realize how special your community is, it just kind of, it makes me um, kind of emotional because I've had such a good support system here Mm -hmm. that it keeps growing as I get older and with kids and, so I think I think the warmth of the community here is And you've had I mean you've
0: been able to build those kinds of communities in other places oh, yeah. you've lived, yeah. you know, obviously, but is is there something different about it? Yeah, here? it's
1: it's unique because it's unexpected. It's um it's not just one genre, I guess of people. You can have a huge array of interesting people that have their own unique things that they're into, or, or, you know, but, and I guess the communities I've built other places are based in design or art or travel, you know, so it's kind of a lumped thing, but here I've, I've really found that, um, the warmth comes from all different types of people and it's fascinating.
0: Libby, uh, that's, that's the end of my eight straight questions. I like to end by asking my guest to endorse something. Mm -hmm. So what is one thing locally that you would want listeners to know about or to experience?
1: Okay, so I'm I'm really excited about this. Um I'm working on a project with my parents, actually, and family. And we are doing an elevated RV park with wow. hopefully a sculpture garden and making it more art design based. So when that is Influition. it's it's coming, but is that I can't like tell in the Bushland when. area? Is that it is? Toward... It's toward in between Bushland and Immarelo. Okay, so, so tell me what
0: elevated means in terms of an RV park. So I'm thinking levels, like, like no parking garages, no, like design. <laughs> um, okay, so elevated in it's, terms, it's, uh, it's it's enhanced. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I think I think right now it's it's exciting for travel as a family, especially to do the RV thing. We've we grew up doing that. Um, my dad. Is definitely a mountain man. I mean, so his idea of vacation was to drag us across all, all the way to Utah. Sometimes, okay. so we just camped a lot, and it's always been exciting to think about hosting people like that. And so, we're in the process of designing everything right now. So that sounds um, to me like
0: a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, I know excited. there's a lot of there's a lot of RV parks in this area, uh-huh. but there's a lot of you know they're all kind of doing the same thing. Well, Something we want different.
1: to have people leaving Amarillo with this feel a feel of, of something unique and mm-hmm. not kitschy per se, um, country. It's, I think, I think of our, our Texas history and we're, I don't know, we're going to do it in a modern way, but, um, yeah, we're excited. I can't tell you exactly cool. everything cause we're in motion right now, but, um, yeah. So, hopefully, soon, soon within <laughs>
0: uh, a few months, we'll know more. Yeah. But I'm intrigued.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Libby Lane, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was fun. And that concludes the show. First, I want to say thanks to Jimmy Johns and Dr. Eddie Sauer of Shim Dental for sponsoring this episode. Thanks also to Libby for the interview. You can learn more about her business at LibbyLane.com. That's Lane, L A N E. Thanks, as always, to Angelina Marie for editing the episode. And, of course, I want to say thanks to my executive team of producers. Daniel Davis, Corey Burns, Katie Linger, Jennifer Callahan, Josh Wood, Griselda, Neil Nossaman, Patrick Burns, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, Wilson Lemieux, and Jason Burr. All of those good folks support the show through patreon.com slash And if you love the show, if you want to hear your name on that list, you can do that, too. Uh, Just head to Patreon and see if there's a support level that works with you. If you do that, I really appreciate it. If you don't, if you just want to listen, I appreciate that too. Thanks for listening week in and week out. This has been episode 110. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.